who are just gathering in. Good evening to everybody. Great to be back together and uh, thank God for the rain. Beautiful rain out there and we need it. We're going to, and let me get my wand here. We're going to conclude this particular series we've been looking at and uh, we with uh, the picnic in the park last a couple of Sundays ago afternoon had our, our worship service there and then last Sunday we uh, took time out for a video and so it's been a, about three weeks since we've been in this series and so we're going to finish that up today. God is our strength and so we introduced this particular principle and this particular understanding as a, a point of encouragement for us and talking about strength. God is our strength. People right now, so many people, they're, they're looking for some way to get through some situation in their life or maybe a number of situations in their life and they're struggling because they're looking in all the wrong places. They're not looking to the ultimate source of real strength and deliverance and that's God himself. He is our creator. He created us in his image with a soul. And so we can look to him as long as we're walking with him faithfully and obediently and consistently. We can look to him for the answers, for the solutions, for the resolutions, for the strength. Again, we are mindful of what James wrote in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, that he said, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so as we commit our lives to walk with God and to serve him, again, consistently, faithfully, obediently, then God will be there for us and he will be our strength. Where we come up weak, where we come up short, God will fill the void. So that's that's the basic message of this particular series that we've been looking at. Now, then we looked at God is our refuge and strength in the face of temptation. God is our refuge and strength in times of sickness and, and, and uh, you know, infirmity. God is our refuge and strength in the face of death also. And how many times have we been faced with somebody in our life dying and we needed God's strength at that particular time? So God is our refuge and strength in all times of trouble and struggle and challenge. When we looked at Psalm 46 and verses one through three, the psalmist wrote, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. And those are several different descriptions of natural disasters. And yet the psalmist said, but God will be there for us. God is our refuge and strength. He's our present help in trouble. Now, we can always trust in God, no matter what the situation is. As long as we walk with God, we know God's walking with us. Psalm 62 and verse two, he only is my rock and my salvation. 
He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then drop down to verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Over and over, the psalmist emphasizes that God is our strength. Now, he uses different words, our refuge, our salvation, our rock. All of those are basically talking about the same thing, getting across the same important point and message. We can lean on God no matter what the case might be, no matter what the trouble, the struggle, the challenge, the difficulty, the sorrow might be. God is our strength. We can lean on him for that strength where we come up short, where we need his, his, his intervention to give us that strength. Now, I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. The peace of God will sustain us in the face of all difficulties and challenges as we bring this series to a close. Is there anything that we could face, anything this world could throw at us, anything life could confront us with, anything the devil could try to put as a roadblock in our faithfulness to God that God cannot help us with? The answer is no. God can see us through all of those situations and whatever else might come our way. Now in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, this one verse, if you want to think about it in this way, it actually is a threefold kind of instruction and encouragement. Colossians 3 and verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you were called, uh, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So the first, the first statement in this verse is, and this is what we need to really come to grips with and, and, and have as a focus in our life, let the God of peace rule in your hearts. A whole lot of people do not want to submit to God. Going back to James 4 and verse 7 again, what was the first statement there? Submit to God. A whole lot of people don't want to do that. They want to have their way. They want to keep doing their thing. They, they want to make the decisions all by themselves. And even if that means contradicting what God's word says, they want their way. Well, the first thing that Paul writes to us, the first instruction is let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, we want that peace, but we don't want that rule, do we? Well, the two go together. If we will let God rule in our hearts, rule our lives, guide us, if we will look at his word as being authoritative, then we'll find that peace that God offers us, that he assures us of. So we need to stop and think about that. Now, Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. The Apostle Paul, what a great text this is too. And uh, I know this is one of Mark's favorite, you know, favorite texts here. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. But it's a great text. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul writes. Again, I say rejoice. But now what's the key there? What is the condition in the Lord? Rejoice in the Lord always. What did Paul write in Colossians 3, 15 again? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We, there has to be a mindset. There has to be a dedication there. 
We're going to walk with God faithfully. We're going to live in the Lord faithfully. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We can lean on God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can rejoice in knowing that God is your father and that he's not just, you know, a disconnected ruler in the sky, which a whole lot of people kind of think that kind of, seems to be kind of the way they think about God, but he is, he is our creator. And as we are in Christ, he is our spiritual heavenly father and he cares about us. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows the bird's flying through the sky. He knows when one falls to the ground. The scriptures tell us he is that intimately knowledgeable of each one of us. How important that is. God knows us and God cares about us and he wants to care for us. We have a sustaining anchor. Again, going back to Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We have a sustaining anchor from a spiritual perspective in our faith due to our relationship with God. And that anchor helps us to understand he has promised us salvation. He's already given us salvation as we've come into Christ, being baptized for the remission of our sins. And we already have the promise, the assurance of eternal life with our heavenly father in heaven itself. So 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, these things I have written to you, John wrote, that you, to you who believe in the name of the son of God, notice the, emphat the emphasis, the emphatic nature of the next statement, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. You know, I think a lot of people, they walk around and they're not, they're not sure about their eternal life. I understand the, the emotion of saying, I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't, I don't want to just be presumptuous and just, you know, assume something on my own. But we have these verses of scripture. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now that means you believe to the point of obedience. You're living in Christ faithfully, obediently, consistently that you may know, you can have confidence that you have eternal life. It's waiting for you in heaven, in eternity, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And that assurance can help cement our faith in God and in Christ. John 14 and verse 27, Jesus is ready to go to the cross the night of his betrayal. He's with the apostles. He tells them, now he knows what's ahead, just ahead of him. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then in, in verse one of John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Over and over again, we're given the assurance that God is going to be there with us. Our Lord is there with us and that we can lean upon them for strength, for deliverance, 
for assurance, for confidence. We can trust them in taking care of us in our times of weakness. When we come up short, when we don't know, what do I do now? How do I deal with this? God says, uh, call upon me, I will answer. Jesus says, you know, when he tells the apostles to go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to, teaching them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20, he finishes by saying, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the world, amen. Second Timothy 1 and verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, a whole lot of people live fearful lives in this world, but, but Paul says, hey, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Of power and of love and of a sound mind because we know who we are and we know who is on our side. And then in Romans 8 and verse 28, whatever might come our way, and that could be physical infirmity, it could be grievous illness, it could be even facing the death of a loved one or a friend. But yet Paul says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. To those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, Christians, faithful, dedicated Christians. We need to understand, we really do. Then we look at Philippians chapter four, we go back there and we go down toward the end of that chapter where Paul goes on and he talks about his own experience along these lines. And so he says, not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And that's a key, contentment. But contentment is not something you just say, hey, you, know, you, you, you need to be content. No, Paul said, I've learned how to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to be up, I know how to be down. I know how, how to live when things are just great, hunky-dory. And then I also know how to live when things are really challenging. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What's your secret, Paul? What, what's what's the, this, the secret formula or the equation? He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's the strength that we need. There's the strength that we need in all situations in our lives. As a Christian, you are blessed with a unique relationship with God and Christ, and that is a relationship through which you can take special comfort and assurance. And that is a relationship that people outside Christ cannot rely upon. We're blessed with that relationship. Now God offers that relationship to everybody. But the key is again, as we pointed out earlier, in Christ, in Christ. We must be in Christ. We're blessed with the peace of God as we come into the body of Christ, which is the church. We come back to Colossians 3 and verse 15. So the first statement in that verse as we looked at, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We have got to come to the mindset where we will let God take control. We will, as the apostle Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, 
I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, it's not my life anymore. Now, he still, he still made decisions. He still had to get up and get out of bed every day and go to work. And he still had to do the teaching that he was commissioned to do as a divinely appointed apostle of Jesus Christ. But he said, I'm doing that in service to God. I'm in service to my Lord. I've surrendered my life to him. I've surrendered my will to his will. And so he, he learned the lesson. And therein was where he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know how to be up. I know how to be down. I know how to abound. I know how to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That relationship with God through Christ, to which also you were called in one body. Colossians 3 and verse 15. So let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Colossians 1 and verse 18, what is that one body? He is the head of the body, speaking of Christ. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And what did, what did Paul say there in Colossians 3.15? To which also you were called in one body. Jesus did not come to establish denominationalism. He did not come to establish all kinds of different churches that believe and teach all kinds of different things doctrinally. He said, I came, he said, I, I, upon this rock, speaking to Peter, I will build my church, not upon Peter, but upon the faith that Peter confessed in Christ. As people come to me, as people believe in me, as people follow me as the Savior, it, that's the faith upon which their declaration of faith in me, I will build my church. I am the Savior. I am God the Son. And so what did Paul say again? Colossians 3 and verse 15, to which you were called in one body, what is that body? It is the church, Colossians 1 and verse 18, Colossians 1 and verse 25, Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23. And then Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 4, there is one body. Just as he said, there is one spirit, just as you are called with one, in one hope of your calling. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One body, again, Jesus came to establish his church, singular. And it is in that relationship with him that he adds us to that one body, Acts 2 and verse 47. And in that relationship, we have the strength, we find the strength to lean upon him, to lean upon the Father for our needs. Very important that we understand that it's not something that God just throws on everybody, but we must come to him his way. Central to contentment, as Paul leaves, lays it out there, when he said, I've learned to be content. Contentment is not giggling all the time. It's not jumping up and down and laughing and clapping your hands all the time. But contentment is peace again. Contentment is assurance Contentment is, is the realization it's okay because God's got me. He's got my back. 
So central to commit contentment is recognizing how much for which we have to be thankful, even in the face of difficulties and challenges. Again, going back to Colossians 3 and verse 15, the third statement there that Paul lays out for us. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful, be thankful. Are you thankful when things are going bad in your physical life? Are you still thankful when you get bad news from your employer? Are you still thankful when some loved one is diagnosed with a grievous illness, maybe a terminal illness? Are you still thankful when you get the phone call and says your parent or your brother or sister or your aunt or your uncle or some really close friend, they died last night? Are you still thankful? See, a Christian can be thankful in all of those circumstances and a whole lot more. Be thankful, Paul says. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, in everything give thanks. The verse just before that is one of the shorter ones in the entire New Testament. And there, Paul said, pray without ceasing. And then he followed that up with this instruction, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalm 30 and verse 12, the psalmist wrote along this line. And what a great statement. And again, the Psalms are written in poetic language, not exactly the kind of poetic language that we, we are, you know, commonly read in our English literature, but, but poetic language from the, from the Hebrew literature. And so he says, to the end that, that, that my glory may sing praise to you and, be, and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever, forever. Blessed with the peace of God, blessed with the peace of God, going back to Philippians 4 and verse 7, the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Blessed with that peace, we need to be examples of peace to everybody around us. As much as lies within us, as much as we are able to influence others through our example. And in the way that we treat them, we need to be examples of peace. Romans 12 and verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, sometimes people around us refuse to live peaceably with us. And we have to react in some kind of way that is proper. But as much as is within us, as much as, as, as is within our ability, Paul says, live peaceably with all men. The psalmist again, Psalm 34, beginning with verse 13, keep your tongue from evil. You know, if the devil can use somebody to provoke you to anger and maybe to speak words that are hateful, that are demeaning, maybe using cursings and, and slander, if he can get you to respond by using the same kind of language, he won. He won. He got you there in that instance. So he says, the psalmist says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And that word or that phrase, seek peace, 
and then pursue it. Those are active phrases. It means we need to be after those, that, that piece. We need to put ourselves to the task, to the challenge of, of, exa- of, of exemplifying that peace to the people around us. The Hebrews writer in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Again, an active statement, pursue peace with all men, with all people, without which no one will see the Lord. And then Matthew 5 and verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And going along with being called sons of God is our eternal home in heaven, our eternal home in heaven. And so blessed are the peacemakers, then we need to want to be and we need to strive to be to the best of our ability, those peacemakers, those peacemakers. We need to strive to be those examples of peace to everybody all around us. God is our refuge and our strength. He is our refuge and strength in the time of temptation. As long as we walk with him, the the apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, no temptation shall overtake us except as such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow us to be tempted beyond which we are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape that we may be able to bear it. That's God's assurance to us. So God is our refuge and our strength in the face of temptation. God is our refuge and strength in the times of sickness and infirmity. There is no greater physician than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God knows every intricate detail of our physical bodies because he created us in that very detail. There is nobody who knows us then as well as God knows us. But even if we go through a period of sickness that ends up taking our physical lives, God's still there with us. And as we have walked with him in faithfulness, he said, you're going to be with me now in a place where there is no sickness anymore, no suffering, no pain, no dying, no sorrow, no crying. Place of deliverance. God is our refuge and strength in the face of death, the death of a loved one, or even as we might face death, physical death ourselves. God is still there. I remember one time many, many years ago, long before I moved to Omaha, I was first faced with emergency abdominal surgery. My intestine ruptured. The doctor went in and took care of that. And then some years later, I chose to go back and let him hook everything else back up together. And I asked a whole lot of people getting up, getting ready for that day of surgery, please keep me in your prayers. I kept asking people, please pray for me. And I still remember laying on the gurney in the first station before they moved me back to the waiting room. And then, you know, that was pre-op and then into the 
operating room, I still remember laying there in the gurney in, the first, in that first position, and all of a sudden, a peace just washed over me. I had been asking people to pray for me. I had been praying for me. And all of a sudden, the anxiety, and whatever anxiety there might have been, it just kind of washed away. God had me. Whatever happened, God had me. And I was thankful for that peace. I was thankful. We have that unique relationship with God as Christians to be able to experience that peace no matter what the situation might be. The peace of God, our relationship with God. God is our strength and he will sustain us in the face of all difficulties and challenges. And therein is the strength that we need. If you're trying to rely upon yourself for your own strength, let me assure you, you're going to be sorry somewhere down the road because as you get older, and ultimately we all do, and we all come to that point where we face physical death as a reality, your strength is going to be up. But if you're still leaning on God's strength in faithfulness, in obedience, he'll pick you up where you are weak. He'll give you the strength that you need even to face that ultimate final end of our physical lives. What an assurance. What an encouragement. What confidence. What love God bestows upon us. If you have not yet come to him through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith openly in Jesus as God's son and your Lord and Savior, if you have not surrendered to him in baptism so the blood that he shed on the cross for you out of love for you can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, then we encourage you to take that step this evening. And if you still need to talk about it, if you still need to study about it, we're here if you'll ask us. We'll help you. If you need the prayers of the church, maybe you've been weak in your faith and you've not walked with God in a focused way as you should. He's waiting for you to come back. He's waiting for you to renew that commitment. We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you'll step forward and let us know or talk with us privately. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?